moving forward. Hello and welcome to the Construction Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you insights and stories from the luminaries of the construction world. I'm your host, Matt Gorgolinski, and today we have a very special episode for you. We're thrilled to have Josh Levy, the CEO of Document Crunch, joining us as a featured guest. Josh's journey ranges from construction and legal industry expertise, which leads him to today, where he's now leading a tech and AI forward company, where he and his team help simplify contracts for the construction industry, and we can't wait to dive into his story. In today's conversation, we'll explore a range of topics, from the impact of AI on the construction industry, to the nuances of vendor-customer relationships in tech adoption in the construction industry, We'll also get Josh's unique perspective on identifying industry pain points and how his vision for Document Crunch is reshaping the construction industry's back office operations. But that's not all. We'll also delve into the secrets behind building a successful team and company in the construction tech landscape. And of course, we'll hear directly from Josh about his approach to deeply understanding the construction industry and his clients' particular needs and how this empowers his clients. So stay tuned as we embark on this insightful journey with Josh And remember, if you have any questions or want to learn more about Document Crunch, you can reach out to Josh directly on LinkedIn, or you can find his company online at documentcrunch.com. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Josh to the Construction Hall of Fame podcast. All right, what's going on, everybody? We're back with another episode of the Construction Hall of Fame podcast. Today, I'm pumped. We have Josh Levy, who's the CEO at Document Crunch. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Matt. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, hey, as always, I want to cut to the chase and learn about your journey. How did you get into the construction field and what has it been like from the beginning up to being a CEO at Document Crunch? Yeah, the construction industry has been an awesome experience for me. So I was a construction management major at the University of Florida. I can't tell you that anything other than maybe a little bit of curiosity and luck is what drove me to pick that major. I was a confu- confused freshman um, when they made you declare a major. Um at the time, uh, the program at the University of Florida had 100% job placement, and it seemed like it was a really well-ranked school. So I was like, why not? This could be cool. Um, so anyway, I, I got that degree. I did a bunch of internships for big general contractors. I decided I didn't love the smell of concrete or sawdust, which is one of my professors. used to say, you got to love that stuff. You're going to be in this profession. So um, I didn't want to be a project manager. I didn't want to spend every day on a job site. So I ended up doing what a lot of, I guess, uh, kids do uh, when they don't really know what they want to do with their lives. I went to law school. Um, I ended up going to my hometown of Miami, the University of Miami School of Law. Um, When I graduated in 2010, the economy was like totally just in the gutter. And the only uh, area that was hot at that time for a graduating lawyer had to do with construction litigation. And at that moment, when none of my friends could get great jobs and, 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 and whatnot, um, that degree, that construction management degree was like a lottery ticket um, because that was the only area that firms were like interested in, in hiring to help to help for or to help with. So I um, ended up practicing construction law uh, exclusively. Uh, true fun story. 15 years ago, uh, I was a summer law clerk for a really uh, great construction law firm, really the preeminent construction law firm in the U.S. Uh, I interned at the time for a young partner by the name of Adam Hanfinger. Uh, aside from having a very funny last name, Adam is memorable because um, 15 years later, he you know is a senior managing partner of that firm, sits on their executive committee nationwide, but he's actually my co-founder of Document Crunch. So um, yeah, so he and I practiced for several years, practicing construction law. 
Um, eight years ago, I left private practice, a little over eight years ago now, to go in-house with a, with a large E&R contractor. Uh, ended up moving to Atlanta, where I am today. Worked in the Southeast business unit of this contractor. Um, ended up, you know, kind of getting overwhelmed with some of the pain points around construction contracts. Hired uh, Adam and my old firm to help me, uh, you know, deal with some of that. Adam and I started collaborating, and hence we uh, found Document Crunch really to help better solve the problem that we think the industry has with understanding what's in their construction contracts from everywhere from the back office all the way to the folks in the field. Awesome. Very interesting story. It sounds like very similar to a lot of stories I've heard where maybe someone lost interest in construction for one reason or another, it just wasn't the right field for them, but they maybe weren't aware to all the opportunities that could be available in the industry. It's like, hey, if I don't wanna be in the trenches doing the construction work or maybe being a PM, maybe I could actually work on the legal side of things and have some interest in the industry that way. So yeah, it goes to show the opportunity. Yeah, it's something that I actually now lecture quite a bit about, um, you know, at different universities or, or, or different forums. I, I did one actually at my alma mater this year to that effect. I did one at the University of Georgia, actually, their school of law. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm like living proof of like this unconventional path, right, from, from construction attorney, which there are folks that do that, but it's definitely not like the most popular path. But from construction attorney now to like working in the construction tech ecosystem, which even for me, being the founder of Document Crunch is like a whole other area of this industry with a whole different type of stakeholder that I previously just did not have a lot of access into. Like being a construction attorney, you know, I, I didn't have a ton of, of exposure to the whole technology scene. And now all of a sudden, that's the world I run in, right? Uh, the folks that are interested in innovation or how do we roll out tech? And there's just all kinds of avenues, Matt, to your point. Um, you know, these companies are, are big companies. They're, yes, their core business is building construction uh, or, or just building projects, but there's a whole myriad of other, you know, support and, and functions that they have. And I think that I'm a pretty good example of exactly that, that unconventional path within the industry. Most definitely. And then to the same extent, I mean, you touched on some pain points that you're looking to solve at Document Crunch or that you are solving now. Would you mind talking a little more about that and then how you're solving those pain points that you decided to start the company on? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the most obvious one and what we're most famous for um, is this idea that, you know, contracts suck. Uh, they're really long. Uh, you've got to put eyes on them before, oftentimes, when, even during the bid process, but certainly before you sign them to understand, you know, have you essentially like priced or given the right schedule for the job, given what the contractual risk is, right? Um, we all know, if you're listening to this, you're a construction industry um, professional. I don't know what rating this podcast is, so I'm going to assume it's PG. There's a famous bumper sticker out there that says, stuff happens. And uh, that really rings true in construction. Stuff happens every single day, which changes the price and time for performance. But who bears the cost of that? is totally born in the contractual risk and, and what the contract says. So the thing that we're most famous for is like this, this industry has to put eyes on those documents before bidding or signing a job. And the vast majority of this industry just doesn't have someone like me or my co-founder, who I think probably now charges like $700 an hour. They don't, they, they don't have someone like us sitting there in-house or, or on retainer reviewing every piece of paper that they're looking at. 
And so how do you bridge that gap, right? It's my overarching experience, Matt, that most of the industry is just signing these documents without really like an appropriate appreciation for what they're signing up for. It doesn't even mean that they'd be able to negotiate everything, but they should at least know the deal. So I'll give you a perfect example from my days, you know, as a practicing attorney. I was doing a, this is on behalf of a big contractor. I was doing a big job at an airport and it was actually building a ground up facility at the airport. And the, uh, the airline who we were working with was insisting that there be no uh, relief given for weather events. And this was in a particularly wet part of the country. And like it, on its face, it was like nonsensical. But, but we, they, this was a take it or leave it type of a job. So what did I do? Being aware of that, I ran down the hall. I pulled the project executive in a room. I pulled the president of our company in a room. And I said, this is nonsensical. How are we going to manage this? And the three of us, like, we knew we couldn't negotiate. So what did we do? We added, like, a month and a half to the schedule for performance. And, but we made the decision to mitigate that risk. Most of the industry, I believe, is signing contracts without going through that process. So that's, like, one, and that's what we're most known for. So today, Document Crunch is greatly expediting and, and helping make easier the process of reviewing a contract for risk, especially when you're that non-expert reviewer who we know that in most of the industry – is is the primary reviewer for you know the company whether you're the vp of operations or the president or the cfo or the director of risk management like it's oftentimes not an attorney who's mm -hmm. having to take the lead on signing off on these deals so that's one but while i was like heads down doing all that legal work that you would expect me to be doing like you know whatever negotiating contracts or uh, you know dealing with hr issues you name it i would have a line of people a line of people every single day outside my office, hard hat in one hand, piece of paper on the other hand, knocking on my door, Josh, stuff happens in construction and some stuff happened on my project today. Like, what do we do? What's the right like thing to do per the terms of the contract? How do I, you know, comply? How do I give notice? Who's responsible? Whatever. Asking me those questions every day. And I knew two things, Matt, when that happened. The first thing I knew is that if they were in my office asking me that question. Whoever they were like supposed to be dealing with out there in the field, it didn't get done. So that person was in someone else's office asking a question, right? The person across the table. I was being paid a lot of money to like take a certain position on behalf of my client. And whoever they were talking to was being paid a lot of money to take a certain position on behalf of their client. That automatically meant off the top that there was going to be a negotiation or a compromise, which meant fee was coming right out of the bottom line of the, of the project. 100%. Like, like these things get negotiated. No one wants to take this thing to the Supreme Court. The second thing that I knew, aside from the fact that, oh, we just like lost money, essentially, the minute they were in my office, was that there were nine other issues that they hadn't told me about that were now like the equivalent of like these landmines, just unknowns throughout the course of the construction project that we may step on that could cost us a lot of money down the road. And I just couldn't help but be inspired by this idea that these folks out there in the field are doing incredible work, like the execution and the attention to detail and the you know, craftsmanship and everything that goes into like putting together a complex project. But they lacked all this confidence in the contract. It was like a black box to them. They're really smart. And if we could just give them a little bit of that extra nudge, a little bit of that extra confidence, a little bit of that extra insight like in real time, Perhaps they could win those discussions in the trailer and not have to come back and like effectively manage it. Like, hey, I'm clearly entitled to this, Mr. or Mrs. Owner or Architect. 
why don't you sign this change order and let me buy you lunch? Like, nip it in the butt right there. And that's the thing that's really insp inspirational to us at Document Crunch. If we can empower those folks to understand what's in their contracts and get them those insights like in just-in-time workflows, we think that we can make a really big difference in making our industry less risky, more profitable, more enjoyable to work in, et cetera. Hmm. For anyone who's curious, I'm super curious myself, actually, because both things seem invaluable to a construction company, like knowing what you're signing up for in the beginning, not and not dealing with landmines, both with the employees who are on the projects or with contracts that could pre present their own landmines if you don't know what you're reading. How does this actually show up? How does your company help with these things? Yeah, so I mean, we're a software company and we have like unique products for those two situations where we, you know, you upload a contract to our software and we spit it out in a way that's like super easy for you to navigate, understand, digest, and get some insights around, which, you know, does two things. Like it helps you understand where to look and why to look. And that context allows you then to make a good business decision. Maybe the decision is, this is way over my head. I better call my lawyer. Maybe the decision is, okay, like I now see this provision. I've done this a few times. Like I understand what like our standards should be. I'm going to, you know, handle this myself. Whatever it is, that awareness is what we're trying to create. It's, it's an awareness and an education and a, and a wherewithal, frankly, around the contract for everybody. Hmm. It reminds me of copywriting. A lot of people say that great copywriting gets dumbed down to the level of a third grader because it just really helps the most amount of people understand it. Is it kind of similar here? You're essentially taking the contract and putting it more into like a lower reading level type of situation? That, that's, a, that's exactly right. We're taking the contract and we're just making it so much easier to understand and navigate. And it's like my fundamental assertion, having been involved in billions upon billions of dollars of projects and hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars of claims, that our industry, most of the people in our industry are smart enough to understand and handle most of this stuff. Mm -hmm. They need not like feel like they have to have a wet blankie all the time. Uh, now, there are things, of course, that do rise to the level maybe of complexity or sophistication that you, or nuance that you do want that extra set of eyes. But even having that awareness is important, yeah. right? Like, but I believe that there's a lot of things in that contract that folks can handle for themselves day to day. They're doing a, a very hard work mm. outside of the contract. This, is not, this does not need to be a black box. And if we can make it a little bit easier to understand, mm. it's pretty awesome to see what happens when you have an empowered operator out there. In fact, I will tell you, it's my like, vast experience that when you have a prepared project executive during the negotiation or a project manager during like the execution of the project, they do tend to make less mistakes. They do tend to be all over issues. They just tend to be able to win outcomes because they have that confidence mm. to make good decisions in real time. Mm. So it sounds like there's some AI involved with this process, possibly. Would you mind touching on how you personally see AI impacting construction? Yeah. So, uh, yes, there was AI involved in document crunch before AI became what it is today, um, which is pretty cool. Um, AI is a very broad term, but what I think what you're getting at is, you know, this advent of the large language models or the GPT stuff that's uh, all the rage right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that also is embedded into our product as well. My engineers have been all over this for some time. And so we're using we're using some of that uh, large language models, but then other types of artificial intelligence as well. I think to answer your question, Matt, uh, large language models in particular have really accelerated the ability to create valuable solutions. And so I think there's a huge opportunity in construction. However, because, you know, like imagine that 
five years ago when we first started, Docket and Crunch could identify issues, but today it could identify issues and then generate with these LLMs some suggested, you know, paths forward around those issues. Hmm. But here's what I would challenge your listeners to do. Don't just accept that it's some awesome technology because that's how our industry gets led astray and ends up with gimmicky stuff that doesn't solve real problems. Mm. Hold us, software providers, accountable to create real business solutions for you. Mm. So the way that we think about like the LLMs and talking coaches, we're building on top of the models that we already have. We're building on top of our proprietary data and then we're pointing it to solve very real jobs to be done around those issues. Um, don't just fall for some like gimmick, like, oh, like, you know, uh, you can, you know, this technology is disruptive, so it must be awesome. No, 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 no. <laughs> Who cares about the technology, man? Document Crunch isn't a technology company. We're empowering everyone to solve or to understand what's in your contracts company. You, the consumer out there, should be happy that this technology exists, but you should be demanding that you be shown how it solves real problems for your business. Something that seems like it really relates to this, it stood out to me when we had our first you said the construction industry is slow to adopt tech, but they're not slow to build relationships. So it seems like what you're doing is taking a relationship building approach saying, show me how I can make the product better, consistently communicate with me about how I can make this relevant to you and serve your business cases and not just be a piece of tech. Would you mind kind of expanding on the whole idea about relationships versus tech adoption? Yeah, and I think candidly, this has probably like been a big differentiator for Document Crunch, but it's also just in my bones because this this industry is so relational. I mean, you you have to listen to the customers, you have to be there for the customers. The construction industry is not a let me just swipe my credit card on a website and like never talk to a person type of an industry. And, and we literally say it's like a brick by brick approach here at Document Crunch. Uh, just this past Friday night, the CFO of a Smaller contractor, I think in the Phoenix, Arizona area, posted something um, on, on LinkedIn saying, oh my gosh, Document Crunch is such an amazing product. It, it just saved me, you know, I did a contract review in under an hour that I would have had to do in like in three to four hours this weekend. That just happened on Friday night. I was actually trying to go to bed and got pinged that like all this hoopla was going on about it. But that's a person out there, right? And, 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 and my team has interacted with that person and they've taught that person how to use the, 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 um, the product. And what I think is incredible is one of the customer success managers, I guess, who had worked with him commented on his post, like one of my employees. And he immediately responded to her saying, hey, here's, by the way, some suggested feedback for how I think it could be even better. And like, what I think is important is we will take that feedback we will certainly consider it and we will follow up with that person and let them know like where we landed on that. Um, it's a relationship business. There's just no other way to say it. Um, it's probably not the most scalable thing in the world. You can't just like be best friends with every customer, but our earliest customers will certainly tell you that their fingerprints are all over the product. And I think that's a heritage that we will continue to have because we just want to be there for our customers. We're told, we're told oftentimes that like of all the vendors that we work with, this company is the most you know communicative or the most responsive or always like shows us that they care like to, to try and solve our problems. Con construction, that's what matters for the construction industry. And so, you know, I think that we've got an amazing team of people uh, implementing that every day. I also like to think that I have a special appreciation for it because uh, I've lived and worked with these folks that are using my software like every day for my whole career. These have been my clients, you know, my colleagues, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, and I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. If the, you know, the industry is slow to adopt technology, like for, for a myriad of reasons, we could do a, other, a whole other podcast, but the industry is very quick to establish relationships. And that's what you need to leverage if you're going to be successful in the software business for the construction industry. And so it seems like that's a big part of your secret sauce of how you've become successful so fast. I mean, a lot of construction tech companies don't see success as quickly as you did. What would you attribute your success to other than building these relationships? Yeah, I think that the success is really attributed to, to a few different things. So first of all, we definitely identified a big problem. Like our industry really hates their contracts. Like contracts suck. And, you know, that's been helpful. But, you know, secondly, though, the relationships, like establishing, you know, that we are, that we are empathetic to that problem, that we do get it, that we want to listen to our customers has been a, a really big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, candidly, Matt, at the end of the day, it all just comes down now to the people mm-hmm. that, that we have at Document Crunch. I mean, I, I could get choked up even talking about it right now, but you know, when I get these emails from folks talking about of all the vendors that we've had, yada yada, you know, it, it's not because of me. It's because they're just coming off an interaction that they had with one of our, you know, crunchers. And the reality is that when you have an inspired group of people that believe in what they're doing, they really do tend to go beyond above and beyond. And we've just like hit the jackpot. I talk about, you know, my construction management degree being a lottery ticket when I was in law school and no one could get jobs. Uh, my people at Document Crunch are, are the lottery ticket right now for all of our success. Um, otherwise, we would just have been an idea. You know, okay, great. My mom would tell you what a great idea this is and what a smart boy I am. But like, it's just an idea. But the reason why we're making a difference every single day is because the people on our team care so much to solve the industry's problems and that resonates so much with our industry. It's interesting to see because, you know, in a a short period of time, you've clearly defined a culture, you've clearly attracted people who align with your culture and you're building on this consistently and people are such a big part of this. What has been some takeaways that your team's gone through going from startup, brand new company to attracting a talent? Like, what has the process been like of finding people who are not only great at what they do, but also align with the company and all that? Yeah, I mean, we're pretty rigorous in our interview process with making sure that folks meet our core values. So, you know, being warm hearted, being inspired and being growth minded. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- those are our core values. But I would say that one of the cool things that's happened uh, as we've like ramped up our hiring quite a bit is we're attracting tons of candidates from right in our network. I mean, most of our company has been referred internally by someone else. Hey, this is the best person I've ever worked with. They would love it here. I was telling them about it. They're super excited. You know, those types of things. And so the whole company has this snowballed that way. Um, but, you know, we've, we've had some misses along the way too, right? So I think that just staying very disciplined to core values, very, very, we've had, we've had very little attrition, which is awesome. Um, but what I would say is for the folks that haven't worked out, it's pr- like, I don't think we've had a blind spot. Like, you know, maybe we got out of our discipline because we just had such a big need, you know, that we had to fill. But generally speaking, I would say just, you know, to find what it is that you are about and be very rigorous and disciplined and ensuring that you're bringing in people that are about the same things. Interesting. It's definitely sounds great. I also know from a recruiter's perspective, it's easy for someone to apply to a company, go to their company website page, see your core values and what you represent, and then go into an interview and say, I'm this, this, and this. So how does your company tactically vet for core value fit? I mean, we just had a uh, one of our newest hires who's a total stud. 
he, his, of his, on his feedback about his onboarding, he said, you know, I think that maybe I interviewed with too many people, um, which I smiled because um, he was like, with a lot of companies, I just have one interview with like the hiring manager and then one interview made with like someone else and then the decisions made. But with you guys, I talked to like, it felt like almost the whole company. We do take a big team approach to, to, to interviewing my idea. And this actually came from one of my previous employers. But the idea being that you get, a per, you get, a, you get so many innings with a person, at some point, some of these things start to tease themselves out. So I would say that, that you know, there is a little bit of, a, of, of being deliberate in how we go about interviewing because we do want to like, get people's true colors. But what I also would say is having these in-network referrals tend to go a long way too, right? So that helps de-risk this quite a bit as well. Definitely. Some of, as a recruiter, almost all of my best candidates come through referral one way or another. It's like, how do I find the person who will put their name behind this person, say they align with XYZ? So you're not just hearing it from the candidate, but you're also hearing it from almost references uh, before you even meet them. 100%. That makes a big difference. Awesome. Well, hey, I really appreciate you joining me on the show today. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to leave our audience with or maybe just calling out where they can find you if they want to find you? Yeah, sure. You can go to uh, documentcrunch.com. You know, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn, so feel free to reach out to me there. I'll try and get back to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, final thoughts are, look, people really are the secret behind our success and um, feel inspired by this new technology that's out there, but don't settle for the technologies, you know, demand a solution uh, that is powered, you know, by this technology or something else. But just think about the solutions that you want and have confidence that the technology is getting so great that a lot of those solutions should be had if you give that feedback to the industry and allow us to create those solutions for you. Awesome. Well, it's really great to see what you're up to. This is such an interesting time for the construction industry and you're clearly playing your part and, and carving out something that's meaningful for these construction companies who you partner with. So again, thanks for sharing your message. I'm sure that some people will hear this and be inspired to reach out to you. That's my hope because it's great to hear what you're doing. So again, thanks for joining me on the show, Josh. Thanks so much, Matt. Awesome.